Welcome back to another episode of Rethink Real Estate. Today, what we're going to be running through is that has a quick moving marketplace ruined your business. We're going to be talking about the nets that we've been getting out of the marketplace over the last number of years. Um, in order to grow your business, you need an established sphere of influence. You need a culture within your business, which ultimately is around repeat and referral. Everybody wants that because the nature of the cold calling and prospecting of sale by owners and expireds, whilst that can be a really good springboard to your business, it's ultimately not the way that everybody wants to do business moving forward. They want to repeat and referral business, but has a fast moving market and selling property quickly completely ruined the future of real estate for a great deal of people and how to get back on that horse. Excited to take you through a few ideas here today in the practical element of Rethink Real Estate. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. Well, folks, let's kick it away with a little bit of an insight is that I've gotten back from Bend, Oregon, which is a business that operates at probably one of the best capacities that I see in North America from an average production per agent, well, in excess of $300,000. And then also, you know, a marketplace that has just seen an incredibly quick trend. And what I mean by that is that Central Oregon has become the place where a great deal of people out of California, the Bay Area, um, Southern California, all of those areas where people are migrating out of are moving to. And obviously, we've seen a marketplace that has just been absolutely on fire for a great deal of time. And this is the same case with a great deal of marketplaces all over North America. A few markets that come to my mind, uh, you know, the Houston marketplace, the Austin marketplace, San Antonio, so Texas being a big draw. Florida has got many marketplaces there that have seen this as well. But where I'm going with all of this, folks, is that with those patterns of the real estate marketplace and inventory being so tight, and it's not that that has changed recently, the market has calmed itself a little bit, but it's only calmed itself by way of number of transactions. There's still a great deal of buyers out there at the moment. I was dealing with an agent up in Bend, Oregon, where there's two 280 listings on the market just within Bend at the moment. She's got 16 buyers and there's many, many other agents that have that. She's got 16 buyers actively looking at the moment. So if you take that into consideration that if all 16 of those buyers bought with inside the next week, she's going to take up 8% of the marketplace. And you know, there's over 2,000 realtors within Bend, You know, all of these different things. And in the Central Oregon marketplace, having a conversation and doing some planning with some of the agents and and talking to them about their business, it was really evident to me that, and, and it made me stop and really made me think about the leverage of the auction process and what that really gives us with an opportunity in a fast-moving marketplace where inventory is held tight is to hold on to listings and to future-proof your business. What I mean by that is the fact that if you were to take over to uh, take into consideration the last number of years in many marketplaces all through North America, and quite possibly internationally with the way that the real estate marketplace has been moving, in many, many different areas, you know, the reality is properties were selling in days, you know, and, and still is the case, some selling within hours. And the one thing that I think that agents did 
in those times is they wore it as a badge of honor that they could get multiple offers on a property with inside 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it may be. They didn't have to hold open houses on properties. They didn't have to really market those properties. In most cases, one of the big crises over the last six months has been, well, wow, we're going to have to print flyers on our property again because we never really had to do that. Or wow, we actually have to go back and work. We have to do open houses. But realistically, going through and actually understanding and doing some business planning with some of these agents within Bend, Oregon, some of the agents all around the nation that we deal with is that a lot of people now that are very limited in their transaction volume are going back to their sphere of influence and going back to the people that are on their database to try and build relationships, to try and then go back and focus on that portion of their business with their business slowing down from a transaction perspective. And what a lot of them have found, they don't have one. Or the database that ultimately they started the business with or that they had three years ago when the marketplace was not as crazy or four years ago, whatever time period of your marketplace, that database is still exactly the same and you've only got the exact same number of people, maybe only a few more to nurture. Give an example and where I'm going with this and what I'm thinking is that let's say that you list a property. That property sells within inside a week. Maybe you get to do one open house on that property if you're absolutely lucky. Now, that open house, you know, sometimes the agents aren't doing them in their own right. But let's say that you did get to do the open house, you then actually then really made a collective effort to take down people's names and numbers. Now, a lot of the time, a lot of people at open houses aren't taking down people's information. And this is a really big thing when it comes to the data capture, because one of the things that I discovered just sitting down with agents and doing their business plan is that, well, how big was the database three or four years ago? Well, it was 150 people. Well, how big is it now? Maybe 170 people. That really is not good net growth. If you think about it, if you were going to say, hey, Ben, I want to build a repeat and referral business. I don't like cold prospecting. And again, I'm all for cold prospecting as a springboard. I'm all for cold prospecting as a fact that you need to do it if you're not happy with the volume that your repeat and referral client sphere is producing to you. So you've got to actually take a good hard look in the mirror. And if you can't increase your repeat and referral client basis, or you can't build your sphere of influence in order to build, um, in order to build relationships, then at the end of the day, you are literally stuck and the future of your real estate business is looking a bit grim because even if you did that open house and you actually were a gatekeeper at the front door taking down people's information, 20% of the people that you meet are going to hopefully be likely contacts for you in the future. One of the real benefits to doing open houses in this day and age and in these marketplaces, it means that realtors have stopped coming to open houses with their agents. Um, I really do believe that the real estate community has gotten a little lazy, and they're not coming to open houses with their with their um, uh, with their agent anymore. Buyers are not coming to open houses with their agents anymore. So it's providing us with an opportunity in order to take down the names and number of somebody that is a buyer while they're still working with somebody. That's great. We respect that relationship, but that doesn't mean that we can't keep in contact with them. That we can't nurture those people over a long period of time. They come in as D contacts to your database that you get to nurture, so they know who you are and what you do because after somebody buys a home within the first eight months, they can't even remember the name of their realtor most of the time. So realistically, we need to take an opportunity in order to build and grow our businesses. But back to the point, and I want to give you the context to this, is it sitting down and doing some business plans with agents and going through and understanding that their net growth of people on their sphere hasn't been good because they've been selling homes in a couple of days. And really, the only real net contact that they've got that most of the time means anything is yes, you've got the seller that was your client in the beginning if it was your listing, 
But again, the buyer was represented by somebody else most of the time. Now, that doesn't mean you can't stay in contact with them and you know touch base on their anniversary and do all of those different things. But your net gain out of that listing, if you're lucky, it's two, two contacts because sometimes the seller moves out of area and ultimately you lose tires with them. But still, you should be keeping that contact or you already had them in your database to begin with anyway. But then that buyer that buys the property really is the only real net contact for you unless you are really hoarding the offers and taking down the information of the buyers and putting all of that in there if you are lucky enough to have multiple offers. So say that your net gain being really optimistic if you're selling property really quickly, maybe three, four, five people, that's not enough. I think that we lose sight as agents around the real value of getting a listing. Whilst, don't get me wrong, and I'm going to say this, it may be taken out of context, is the moment that the seller signs a listing agreement is that, yes, you need to service them. You need to do the right thing by them. You need to do everything you possibly can to get them the highest and best outcome to the property for the property itself. But realistically, you should be focusing on the people around that listing. They are your future sellers, folks, and they should be communicated to just as much as the people around it. And again, I've gone on and on and on about the of micro farming and all of those different things that happens around the listings that you do. And if you're new to the podcast, then please make sure you go back and have a look at all of those concepts around micro farming and how you can get the absolute upside around a listing that you have, or it doesn't even need to be your listing. It can be somebody else's listing. But where I'm going with this is the fact that you need to realize that if you've been selling property really, really quickly over the last number of years, how much has your business grown? I'm going to go as far as to say that when you have to lean on your sphere of influence to grow your business in a marketplace that is suppressed by number of transactions, is that that database or that sphere of influence is not as robust as what you might think it is. And if you have to start thinking and rebuilding, and I think that everybody, if I think that everybody's probably taken the marketplace a little bit of out of context for the last number of years, is that you've been drinking from a fire hose. And I totally understand that. But when that fire hose is turned off, you are left with absolutely really nothing if you haven't been nurturing and you've got to get back to that. So where I'm going with this is that we've got to see an opportunity for our open houses, really to collect the data. We're not going to be able to cold call soon. We're not going to be able to, to knock on people's doors. We probably aren't even allowed to text message them, all of those different things that are there. Where do people come? Where do people come without any real provoking action? They come to an open house to look at a property and they come willingly. So I said this to a young agent the other day that we were doing the business plan and I'm, you know, thinking to myself is that, well, do you like to cold call? The young agent said, no, not really. I'm like, well, okay, well, you know, you're going to have to build a business relatively slowly. Well, what about, what about, do you like to door knock? Well, yeah, sure. I can door knock. However, there's a couple of things that are really restrictive there in my marketplace. Okay. Is that I can't door knock because it's mostly new construction. And then also I can't really do open houses because we typically sell the properties off the plan prior to the property being built. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a real problem if that agent can't prospect around these listings because of the new new construction side of it. So he needs to find an established marketplace in an existing residential resale market, find other agents listings and prospect around those listings or even offer to do open houses for any of the agents out there at this point. Because open houses where somebody willingly comes in and they they most of the time will be willing to provide you with information. And I said to this young agent, I said, if I was you, knowing that your primary responsibility is actually to build contacts within the business, get data, I'd be standing at the front door with my open house register in my hand, 
going, hi, my name's Ben. What's yours? John. John, writing it down straight away. John, last name. Smith. Great. John, best contact number. Okay. And also email address. John, are you a local or are you coming from out of town looking at the moment? Oh, I'm a local. Great. So automatically, I know that he might have something to sell in the future, depending on price point, all of those different things. But where I'm going with this, guys, is that that's data that can be collected. And most of the time is that we leave the open house register sat on the kitchen table and say, hey, if you got time, fill it out. No. The thing that I'd be changing my business instantaneously is I'd be putting in the listing contract that the seller requires all people that come through the property to register their information for for security purposes, for health purposes, whatever it may be. Adding that to your listing agreement could ultimately then give you the power that at the front door of a property is that, hey, I do need to take down your information. My seller has obviously um, put in the listing agreement that like anybody that enters the property for one security purposes, but obviously we live in interesting times for health purposes, um, that if anyone was sick, but also I'd really like to follow you up to ask you about your thoughts on the property so my sellers can get accurate information on the marketplace. So Okay, if somebody has any type of uh, a reservation about it, you should be saying that to them. However, the other part of this is that don't even don't even say that in the beginning. Just be like, "Hi, my name's Ben. What's yours? It's John. Write John down straight away. Write last name, email, and phone number." Now, again, if they don't feel comfortable providing you with any of that stuff, just be like, "Hey, it is a requirement of entry because my seller has added it to the listing agreement." Guys, you need to be clear that again. I will repeat this: is that phone calls are going to be difficult with the do not call registers and everything going through. Privacy laws are changing. Text messages are too hard to do it as well. Email is that it goes to the junk mail most of the time. What is the most valuable part of what we do is probably door knocking and calling or door knocking around the neighborhood of a listing that you've currently got on the marketplace, even though maybe door knocking is going to be banned here in the do not knock register. I know it has been in many, many other countries, but realistically, It's never going to be something that if a stranger is entering somebody's home that they're trying to sell and they request that somebody needs to provide them with their information, that's never going to change in my opinion. You can't walk into somebody else's home and expect not to provide your information at the front door in order to enter that property. So if I'm somebody in real estate trying to establish a business Open houses is the way to do it. Now, you might say to me, well, Ben, things are still selling so quickly. Guys, this is where auction is one of the most valuable tools in the real estate industry is the fact that, yes, it is a tool that in a bad market, we can show the seller the market value. We can draw more attention to the property. We can create more leverage in competition. In a good market, it creates transparency. As I've said many times, is that what a property is worth as much as someone's willing to pay? No. A property is worth as much as someone's willing to pay in competition? No. A property's worth as much as somebody's willing to pay in transparent competition. They're very, very different things. So that's what it does in a good market. But what it really does if we're being selfish from an agent perspective is it gives you an excuse to hold onto that property for two, three weeks. Now, here's one thing that I hope may blow your mind is that from all of the auctions that we've done and the data that we collect, we have found that the best and most competitive bidder that buys the property on auction day over 70% of the time comes towards the end of week two, is introduced to the property at the end of week two of that auction lead up. So what does that say about properties that have been selling within a week or selling within a couple of days? I can hand on heart say that you've undersold it based on the research that I've looked at. Now, hey, 70% of the time that is. 
Now, all in all, where I'm going with this, folks, is that one, not only are you providing peace of mind by extending the period of time and holding it, auction gives you the excuse to do that, but it also provides you with an invaluable opportunity for you or your team or whoever it is, hopefully it's you, is that you're standing at the front door, auction, by law, they have to register their information at the front door if they have to come in. You don't even need to put that in your listing agreement because the auction agreement already has that in there. Traditionally, okay, it doesn't have that in there. Now, traditionally, if I'm running traditional properties, I'd be putting that in my listing agreement that the seller is going to require everybody that enters the property to provide their information. And that is their home. It is their rules. It is their terms. But with auction, it's already done. And by law, they need to provide their information because you're advertising a sale by set date being that auction. If the property was going to sell prior to auction, we need to make sure that we've shown that we've given ample opportunity to everybody else that's been through the property, that if that property was to sell prior to auction, that they have had a fair and equal chance. So all in all, folks, is the one reason that I think by default that a great deal of people that are auction agents are successful is because of the collection of the data that they, one, have to do. Secondly, is that they're forced to do because of the auction process and also they're getting better outcomes most of the time because they're holding onto the property and our best buyers are coming towards the end of week two, 70% of the time. It's food for thought, folks, because everybody seems to think that they want to do more business. But if unless you're willing to start doing that cold calling, start doing that door knocking, start doing that cold prospecting, which is getting more and more difficult to do, there's really only one avenue apart from going out and networking, which is a very slow way of doing it. I'd be doing open houses as much as we possibly could. I'd be holding on to my listings longer. I'd be doing more auctions because it forces those good habits in order to then build a repeat and referral business through the relationship game. Hopefully you can see that. Hopefully you put some of these strategies into play. And hopefully you see that, yes, sure, selling a property quickly creates instant gratification. But one, you may not have got the right result. And is it killing the future of your business? Thanks, folks. So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed, or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow, or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.